Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Welcome to The Jennifer LeClaire Show. I'm interviewing some awesome guests and sharing personal insights along the way to stir your faith. Hope you enjoy it. I'm here with my good friend, Ryan Johnson of Ryan Johnson Ministries. He has just written a book, which is absolutely fascinating. I endorse it myself. I feel it is a timely word for the body of Christ. I truly believe many people don't know they have issues in this area. The book is called Illegitimacy, The Battle Over Your Identity. And the enemy is surely working to make you feel less than, to position you uh, in your own eyes as not good enough, not strong enough, not able enough. But the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I want to let uh, Ryan Johnson just share a few words. Ryan, tell us a little bit about your ministry, and then we're going to get to talking about some of these, uh, these identity issues. Yeah, first of all, it's an honor for me to be uh, a part of this with you, Jennifer. I honor you and respect the kingdom work that you're doing, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. You know, the whole thing with our ministry, we're based out of Fort Payne, Alabama, northeast corner here in the southeast, and we're right in the heart of the Bible Belt, and we spend a lot of time traveling uh, across this nation, other nations of the earth as well, but our focus is to get people to recognize and understand who they are as sons and daughters of God. It's more than having a relationship with God in hopes that one day you obtain a place, a position in heaven. It truly is an occupy until he comes. But what we do with that? How do we function as sons and daughters? Is it is our life in and of itself just attending church? So what we do in ministry is we call forth the revelation of what the Word actually says concerning our purpose as sons and daughters of God. So we spend a lot of time, naturally we do a lot of things in prophetic ministry uh, where we concentrate on honor, integrity, and character, prophetically speaking, And but it's the equipping and the advancing of sons and daughters in this hour and in this day. Wow, that's very well said. And You know, you're a prophet. You operate in prophetic ministry. We've ministered together uh, many, many times, and I so appreciate 
your heart for integrity and character. It's something that widely, quite frankly, widely lacking in the body of Christ. I see every day Christians lying and, and, and behaving uh, like the world behaves. But I think part of the reason for that is because they don't really have a full enough revelation of who they really are. Because when you know who you are, when you understand you are as a son, uh, as a daughter, as the bride of Christ, you're not gonna lie. You're not gonna. Che- you're not gonna want to. You're just not gonna want to. When you really know who you are, those things are just uh, not appealing to you. So. I want to dive into this this book a little bit. I, obviously, we can't share everything in the book in this short call, but you know, it, it's such a it's such a now word. Uh, you know, the enemy. You, you talk about how the enemy has been working against the purpose, which purpose is a whole. I mean, purpose is a huge issue, and destiny of sons and daughters with the spirit of illegitimacy. Now, now, how would you define or describe a spirit of illegitimacy? Well, all this came out of a revelation of a vision that the Lord gave me. And I'll be honest, first heard the Lord say a spirit of illegitimacy. I did not get <laughs> excited and jump up and down and go, oh, my gosh, this is a fresh revelation. Uh, you know firsthand more than anyone else. I mean, when we even mention a spirit of Jezebel, people go crazy in the church realm of things. You know, there's there's the count that says there's no such as the spirit of Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And then there's another side that, you know, everything's a Jezebel. And mm-hmm. it's very hard sometimes to find the uh, correct manner in which how to go about things. And so when the Lord spoke to me and he said the spirit of illegitimacy, I was not overwhelmed uh, with excitement because I can't point to you to a book, chapter, and verse that says spirit of illegitimacy. But what I can point to you is where we get the understanding of an orphan spirit. In Romans, when it mm-hmm. talks about you've not been given an orphan spirit, but you've been given uh, the spirit of adoption. And so mm-hmm. what we have to understand is illegitimacy branches out from an orphan mentality. But it's not the same thing as an orphan mentality because an orphan, the way that I always try to break this down I always go back to the real old images of orphanages back in the 1800s when they used to line the kids up and the kids, you know, done their song and dance in order to say, pick me, pick me. And and we get that in in today's time as well, where people are all the time trying to be loved, trying to be accepted, trying to be received. Well, that a lot of that is an orphan mentality, whereas illegitimacy is always trying to convince you that you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. No one likes you. No one wants anything to do with you. Enemy is not afraid of anyone that professes to be a Christian. He's not afraid because you go to church. He's not intimidated that you attend Sunday school class. What the enemy is truly intimidated and knows that there's a real battle and a difficulty to overcome is those who know who they are. So what a spirit of illegitimacy does is it's a, for all intents and purposes, is a nagging spirit that convinces you, always kind of whispering in your ear, you're not good enough. No one wants to hear you preach. No one ever wants to hear you teach. No one wants to hear you sing. If the enemy can keep you limited, not necessarily bound, limited to where you never fully step into your function of your purpose, he wins. Every demonic spirit around you is doing it's certain aspects, but a spirit of illegitimacy just keeps you limited. 
You know, you feel good for a moment, but you're never really good enough. And this mm. is a major problem in the body of Christ. Just try to tell somebody, will you pray over the food and see how many people mm. hunker down. And they're saying, oh, I can't do that. I, I can't pray in front of everybody. Because they've mm-hmm. already devalued who they are as a son of God. And this is something that has to change in order for the ecclesia to truly advance in this hour. Or we're just going to keep repeating this cycle. Wow. Wow. How does this compare to a spirit of rejection? Because I know that it's different, but it, but a lot of these spirits have similar characteristics like anxiety and dread and fear. They're all sort of cousins, doubt, unbelief, you know, suspicion. They're all kind of cousins. How does this differ or how is it the same as a spirit of rejection? Yeah, and you're correct because, I mean, the reality is we're all going to be interwoven and connected to some form or fashion, you know. Not far behind a Jezebel, there's often, there's going to be someone that's likened unto an Ahab or likened unto a Delilah. They're, they're all going to interwove in some form. With rejection, though, the problem with rejection is it's going to overpower you emotionally in your feelings. And, and I know that's a word we don't like to talk about, but it's emotionally mm. going to get you into a state of offense. Rejection is going to get you to the point to where the offense supersedes anything that you do, whereas illegitimacy is not about offending you and keeping you in a state of offense. The illegitimate part is to attack your identity that, Mm. you know, where you're trying to be a son in the kingdom, illegitimacy says it's okay to be a pauper. Illegitimacy says, listen, you live within the realm of the kingdom, but you're not created to be a pauper. You're created to be a son. And so what illegitimacy does is it doesn't work off the sense of offense to keep you offended and hurt emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever the case may be. Whereas that's what rejection does. Rejection is to ultimately deny you to get you into a state of offense where I'm all the time offended. I look at somebody, they they offend me. Whereas illegitimacy, you look at somebody and you're intimidated. You're intimidated by them because you go, I can never measure up to them. I can't, I can't sing like they can. I can't preach like they can. And so we never take that moment of activation because we're intimidated by a false uh, concept of who others are when we can't even recognize who we are in the kingdom. Wow. <laughs> so, so that runs deep. And, and, and what kind of, uh, you talk about the battle in the mind a little bit, you know, the thoughts that come. Uh, and how does the enemy set somebody out, uh, up for this? What is sort of the root? Is it sort of some kind of trauma? Is it a, is a mother issue? Is it, do you know how this enters in? Well, there is the natural realm of things. Uh, we know this about the enemy. The enemy cannot create anything. The enemy can only manipulate or pervert what God has established in the natural or in the supernatural. In other words, we know that God and, and spirit is life. He is the essence of life. But there is a death. There's a spirit of death in that realm. Well, it's not that God desires that anyone should die, even though it's been appointed a man wants to die. That's because of the curse. But we have to understand that the enemy doesn't create. So what happens is what God establishes in the natural, it opens the door for perversion and manipulation from a demonic realm. In other words, we have what we call a lot of times a spirit of depression, is the opposite godly there is a spirit of joy there's a spirit of laughter 
Well, the opposite of that on a demonic realm is spirit of depression, spirit of sadness, heaviness, to where we, we just can't laugh. And we're, we're under that uh, perversion of the enemy. So there is the natural side, whereas what I mean by that is you can literally have someone who's born in the natural as an illegitimate son mm. or daughter. Their, the result of the conception of that child was in a sinful manner such as fornication or adultery. And the moment that that happens in the natural, that automatically opens up a door of mental torment, demonically speaking, in that realm. Then you have the <laughs> spiritual side of this where you weren't born naturally uh, illegitimate. You are not the result of a sexual sin and you are not, you know, an illegitimate child in the natural. But what happens spiritually is there is something that is very significant about your life, which is all of us. And this is what we have to understand. The enemy, it, it, we, we sometimes forget how clever the enemy is and how knowledgeable he is of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And when we, we try to do things even though we were naturally not illegitimate, we try to do things supernaturally. The enemy knows. You know, the scripture talks about, um, I know you and I know you, but I don't know you. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how demons know who they're dealing with because they know the Christ in that individual. You know, I believe, and it's just my opinion, nobody has to agree with me, but I believe without a shadow of a doubt when Leonard Ravenhill said, it's my goal to wake up every day and be on hell's top 10 list that when I wake up, all of hell goes, Oh hell, Leonard's awake. Well, (laughs) I believe that. I believe that hell knew who Leonard Ravenhill was. Mm -hmm. There's scriptural evidence of that. The enemy knows he knew Paul. He knew Peter. He knew Judas. He knew Jesus. And there's evidence throughout the scripture where the demonic is not as dumb as what we want to believe that it is. It's very intelligent. So this spirit comes in a supernatural realm in order to limit you because of the assignment and the purpose of your life. You have to understand that when the enemy comes in a spirit of illegitimacy to try to supersede your purpose, it's because your purpose is great. There's greatness inside of you. You're destined to do phenomenal things. And this is this is the motive of the enemy. I mean, whether it's a Jezebel in your way, whether it's an Ahab in your way, whether it's whatever, physical sickness, whatever, the enemy's always mm-hmm. going to try to stop you in some form or fashion. The problem is we have this spiritually wrecking havoc in the body of Christ, and we're not recognizing it as often as we should. Hmm. So, so maybe someone's listening to us now and they're like, they're starting to think, maybe this is what's attacking me. Um, how is it, it's just by the thought that, that you discern that this is the spirit of illegitimacy is, is, is trying to tear down your identity? Or how would one distinguish that or discern that? Well, one of the first things that we got to do is we got to do a self-evaluation on ourselves. And we got to know what it is that we're actually saying. In other words, if we really went down and made a checklist of all the things that we said we were going to do, and then on the opposite side, we went down that checklist, whether or not we actually even took the first step to do those things. Hmm. Because if we don't call to attention the things in which we are saying, 
versus the things in which we are doing, we're just going to keep finding ourselves in this point to where we're not um, meeting any goals. A lot of people talk big. Oh, I'm going to do mm-hmm. this and I'm going to do that. But they never follow through because I believe that they never truly call themselves out. So to wonder whether or not someone has a spirit of illegitimacy working on their life, some of the basic things they can ask themselves is, am I always negative towards my own goals, my own dreams, my own achievements, my own plans of destiny? Am I always limiting myself? Am I always discrediting myself? How do I view myself in comparison of others? Now, this Hmm. is a big thing because a lot of times what's going to happen is this is, and a lot of times why people don't do this is because they don't want to find out the the black in their heart, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to find out whether or not you really have a root of bitterness or jealousy or envy towards other people. But what you're trying to do is if you're looking at someone in a way that you should not, you have to ask yourself, am I looking at them because it's jealousy or am I looking at them in this way because I have no value of myself? If it's jealousy, you have to look at it in a different way, but and, and deal with it in a different way. But if it's illegitimacy because you keep undermining who God created you to be, you've got to start dealing with these things. So it's a major self-evaluation that must lead to a purification. You have to set it. It's not about being a uh, confident, self-talking, over-the-top individual. That's the goal. The goal mm-hmm. is a self-purging so that you understand that when God created you, he didn't create an accident. He didn't create you with limitations. We we are notorious at limiting ourselves sometimes. And sometimes it's because of what's before us or around us or how we were raised. You know, I was raised in a home where my dad's a disabled veteran. And I was raised a little bit different than probably most people are raised. But I was raised in a way that my dad always told us, Everything that we were going to do, we were going to do great. He always said, mm-hmm. no matter what you do, you're going to achieve greatness because you're my son. Whatever you wow. start, you're going to finish it because you're my son. My son is not a quitter. And so all my life, I grew up with this exuberance of confidence. Now, and I'm 40 years old now, and I I don't say it arrogantly, but I just say it in the form that confidence is not something I struggle with. I have been trained to be confident in who I am and what I do from a Mm -hmm. natural position. When I came to know Christ, I opened up the Bible, and it was like Hebrew to me. I couldn't even understand it. But I finally came to Philippians 4.13, and the first two words, very famous first, first two words, I can I had heard that all of my life. Mm. So when I got that on the spiritual side, it spoke to me. But people that lack confidence will often identify confidence as arrogance. Now we have Mm -hmm. to ask ourselves, why do we see confidence and label it as arrogance? Is it because I'm insecure or is it because I have no confidence in myself? Is it, it, why don't I have confidence in myself? If I believe that God created me in his infinite beauty, majesty, his purpose and destined me for my life, 
why in the world do I not have confidence that he created me with a purpose? What mm. is limiting me? What is denying me? What is keeping me behind when I should be advancing? Wow. Yeah. That's really, really, really good stuff. Do you think that this uh, spirit of illegitimacy, I mean, there's so many people in the body of Christ who, they, you know, I'll talk to them. They'll tell me, you probably too, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what my purpose is. And they're frustrated and they're struggling. Could this spirit of illegitimacy be sort of trying to keep people from seeing their purpose because they're, they're looking at the wrong thing? Personally, I believe so because we know this. The scripture says that, uh, God is not the author of confusion, but what happens is we have a lot of church-attending individuals who live in a constant state of being dazed and confused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're just kind of wandering, and we use verbiage a lot of times. Well, I'm just in my wilderness trying to find me, and mm-hmm. I'm just – I'm in my cave, and I'm trying to discover who I am. You know, let me say – you know, Elijah went to a cave because of fear. A spirit of fear drove him into the cave, and it manipulated him into thinking that he was the only one who remained. Yet when every aspect of God came and God wasn't in it, he heard the still, small voice. Now, here's the difference. The scripture says when Elijah heard the still, small voice, he stepped out at the mouth of the cave. And he then got the instruction from the Lord to go anoint Jehu, to go anoint Elisha, to replace him, and more. But here's the problem. A lot of us, when we're hearing God, we refuse to change our position where we have set ourselves in location. In other words, Mm. we would rather remain in the cave than to step out from the cave. And Elijah had to step out from the cave because what we think is, we think our purpose Mm. and our assignment is going to be discovered in that cave, but Mm -hmm. it's not. You have to remember, before David ever went to a cave, David didn't go to a cave because he was afraid or a spirit of fear drove them. Actually, I believe David went to a cave because of honor. He honored the identity of Saul as king, and he knew if I stay out, I'm going to eventually have to kill him. So he mm-hmm. honored Saul by going to the cave. But David didn't go to the cave to discover mm-hmm. that he was the king. Before David ever went to the cave, he already knew that he was anointed to be the king. You don't go to a cave in order to find your identity or purpose. There's a certain reason. You have to understand, am I there because of fear or am I there because of honor? If you're there because of honor, you realize that your now destined and appointed time has a kairos moment to it. Then you fast forward. You look, well, I'm in the wilderness, and I'm just trying to wander around and stuff. There's two types of wilderness, children of Israel in the wilderness, and they're there on delay because of disobedience. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't they wouldn't do what they're supposed to do. Jesus goes into the wilderness and the scripture says he goes to be tempted. But when he came out of the wilderness, he was endued with power. That's what the scripture says. But before Jesus ever goes into the wilderness, he knows who he is. The scripture says mm-hmm. he comes out of the Jordan River and the heavens parted and the voice of the father said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon him likened unto a dove. Before he ever went to the wilderness, he knew who he was. We're Mm -hmm. misappropriating this in so many of our lives because we think isolating ourselves will discover who we are. And we don't discover who we are through isolation away from 
what God is doing. We discover who are who we are based on the authenticity of the Father, what the Father is doing. And this is where we have to understand if you're in a cave or in your wilderness, there's a reason for it, but it's not a dwelling place. There's it's not something we dwell in. We dwell in his presence. We don't dwell in the cave, we don't dwell in the in the wilderness, but we know who we are even if we are in a cave or in a wilderness. So the enemy loves to keep us so wandering and I'm just trying to figure out or sulking in our pity because we're the only one who's left. In reality, it's just beginning. Wow, wow, wow. That's good stuff. <laughs> that is really, really good stuff. Now, I know the whole book, you know, talks about this kind of stuff, and it talks about overcoming uh, the spirit of illegitimacy, and there's just so, so, so much in there. Uh, you know, just give me, just give us just, I don't want you to give away the whole book. I know we've only got a few more minutes left here. But what, what one thing, well, where do you start? I mean, is it a matter of, okay, acknowledging that I have a problem, it's like they say to alcoholics, and the first step to overcoming the problem is acknowledging you have a problem. I, I feel like that's part of it because many people are, they're ashamed. You know, if they, I think there's like, as you're talking, I hear like shame, you know, rooted in this as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, for me, what I would say to that is I'll automatically think back to these treasure hunters. You know, the, they're going to find the hidden treasure to the pirates that, you know, buried treasure in 1400. And, you know, what key ingredient does that treasure hunter need? Well, they need a map. And that map mm-hmm. begins to unfold the clues. And the clues begin to position them in certain places until they ultimately find whatever treasure it is they're looking for. In this case, the reason I wrote the book the way I wrote it is is twofold. One, I didn't want to be over the top and get way too deep. I wanted it to be simple enough that people could get a hold of what is being said. But the treasure map is the Word of God. Mm. That's the treasure map. So the importance of the book is to first point out what the scripture is actually saying, what the scripture actually reveals to us. You know, we could write whatever mm-hmm. topic we want to write, and we could try to convince people of whatever we want to try to convince them. But if there's no ground or no foundation of the written word of God, we're just trying to conceive some kind of mm-hmm. idea or an opinion. Whereas mm-hmm. what I've done in this is I start in the Word of God because to me that's your blank treasure map. That's where the, this is where this all begins, mm-hmm. and this is how you begin to understand first and foremost what illegitimacy is. Once you begin to see the way that this spirit has operated and will continue to operate, all of a sudden it begins to unlock certain things in your life and I don't have to sit and say well the reason that you're this way is because of this what it does because you built a proper foundation of the word all of a sudden the word begins to speak and come into life into you and now there's revelation out of that that so for me the whole thing that whole thing is a treasure map based off of the written word of God Wow, wow, that's really good. (laughs) 
That's really, really good. Is there anything else you wanted to mention that I didn't ask you about? I'm going to ask you to pray in a few minutes, but I want to make sure that there's uh, maybe you're picking up something prophetically or maybe there's something I really should have asked you that I didn't. Well, you know, like I said, the only thing that I would I would reiterate is this was based off of a revelation, a vision that I had um, not long into our uh, the election of our current president. I began to see how leaders in the church, whether they were an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, whatever, they were prominent leaders within the body of Christ. I began to see the vocabulary and the language that they were using towards others who maybe didn't vote a certain way or they didn't like the way the election turned out or whatever the case may be. And I began to grieve in my spirit. And I was really troubled by all this. And I couldn't wrap my mind around how we as leaders in the body of Christ could be so vicious towards another person who you didn't agree with. Just You just didn't agree. But if you saw that person in the grocery store or Walmart, whatever the case may be, you would invite them to church and tell them how much you love them. And I could, I had to, I had to try to get some insight because I felt like this was something bigger. So the Lord gave me a vision. And in that vision, that's where he began to tell me about the spirit of illegitimacy. And this is how this whole thing unfolds because, I mean, let's face it, you've wrote so many things to where you've been bombarded by mm. not just angry email, vicious emails. Yeah. And comments from people that profess to love God, profess to be Christians. And you cannot be that vicious and have the heart of the Father at the same time. Wow. We've got, oh my gosh, so, that's a good word. We got so many people that are talking in tongues on Sunday, but they're derogatory towards others the rest of the week. And I'm not really impressed by the fact that you're baptized with the gifts of Holy Spirit. Awesome. You got the gifts of Holy Spirit. But if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, your gifts are flesh. Because you can't have the gifts without the fruit. The gifts of Holy Spirit is the evidence of the Son, whereas the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the Father. And the Father and the Son can never be separated. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, you see Him because you've seen me. And if you want to hear Him... You're hearing him because of me. I don't say or do anything without him. But we live in a culture where people are so um, just almost, I don't know, psychedelic sometimes in their rage towards people that they disagree with. So there's something bigger, and this is how this all came to be. Wow. So this is uh, how widespread do you think this is? I mean, certainly it seems like it manifests. At, at, at specific times, but like you said, I get these emails all the time or Facebook comments. You see this kind of stuff, and I mean, is, would you is epidemic too strong of a word? Is this how, how big of a problem is this in the body of Christ? Do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you point blank what the Lord told me. The Lord told me in the vision. He said this has been happening for many generations, but it has increased to wreak havoc on the body and in the body at a higher number in the last 20 years. So what the wow. Lord basically told me is we've seen this supernatural demonic increase 
over the last 20 years, this thing is manifesting with a lot more, I would say aggression is the word I would use. Uh, because, I mean, we see it so many times. People, you're professing to love somebody. I'm running with you. I've got your back. And then there's one moment of correction or one moment of disagreement. And now all of a sudden, it's like I can't put the knife in your back quick enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't destroy you quick enough. I can't, um, I can't, I got to make sure that everything I do totally destroys what you've built and elevate myself above others. That's the mentality that's happened. And yeah. I believe if we were to take some, I, I can't prove it, but I would believe if we take some church historians, modern day historians, and we went back 20 years, we would see the increase of this really at a rampant rate because the greatest threat to the enemy is unity. The enemy is not afraid of people in little cells everywhere, but you get a body unified. That's the greatest threat uh, to the enemy. But there's these little, it's almost, I do want to use the word epidemic in a lot of times because it's like a sickness. It starts out in these little pockets, and before too long, what started in the southeast is now raging in the northeast and midwest, mm. and all of a sudden, now you're hearing it coming out of England or Australia, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I believe it is coming with an aggression. It is. And do you think it's because of the, the, the rise of fatherlessness? I mean, do you think there's like a natural, I mean, it's obviously demonic, but did, did natural circumstances sort of open the door to, to this, uh, this, uh, this rush of you know, illegitimacy? could be a multitude of answers to it. I mean, it could be simply the the time clock we're on in a heavenly realm. You know, we don't mm-hmm. I always tell people I'm not going to argue over anything eschatology wise. I believe we're all wrong. <laughs> it don't yeah. matter what we think. We're all going to turn out to be wrong. We're all going to look and go, huh, I didn't think it was going to go this way. But yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there is a heavenly time frame and we have to understand that. So there's there's that. The enemy knows that his time is running out. I also believe it's because we're in a in a time of the early stages of an authentic reformation and a, through awakening. And what I mean by that is we're seeing the apostle and the prophets come back to fruition, but we also got to see the foundation of that come into where apostles and prophets and teachers coexist with one another for the purpose of the building and edifying of the church and we have to see, and nobody wants to hear this, but I even believe we're going to have to see a reformation with deacons, not with deacons with gavels in their hands, but deacons that are true servants. They may have a towel or a broom in their hand, but that has to happen because this is a kingdom realignment. I believe that, but there's something very, very profound. I don't believe that my personal opinion is, I don't personally believe this is the last generation on the earth, but I do say this about millennials. If you pay attention to millennials, you're going to find things that you totally disagree with. The way that they operate, you know, they, they kind of are come by go, whatever. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we get up, dawn, get to work and we, we stop late at night. They're not that way, mm-hmm. but there's something about millennials that catches my attention that I cannot say about any other generation. Although every generation before is going to say, Oh, we were that way. It's not. Millennials have something that the church does not have, and that is unity. If Mm -hmm. you will sit back and watch 
there will be protests on television, and if they'll interview some of those millennials, and they'll ask them, why are you here? And they have no clue why they're there. They'll say things on television. They'll say, well, my friends are coming down here to protest, so I came to be with them. <laughs> you know, yep. and there's no rhyme or reason why they're there. They're just unified. Millennials have this ability to stand together with one another. Whereas if I tried to hold a, a, a prayer rally in northeast Alabama, I can't get all the churches together. But if I start mm-hmm. talking about a pastor, I can gather a crowd then. You know, it's amazing wow. that the millennials have a spirit of unity about them, whereas many in the church have a spirit of division among them. So I really think what the enemy really has tapped into is that unity that the millennials have. In order to disintegrate the unity, he has to get them convinced that they're not capable of doing anything. And if they're not capable of doing anything, unfortunately, we got a lot of people in the church that are discrediting him in that. They're lining up with that, and they don't even realize that they're the pawns in the enemy's hands. They're calling them snowflakes and crybabies and white babies and all this stuff. And we can't even recognize that they have unity. You know, when all these kids walked out uh, their schools for the gun protest um, that they recently did, it ought to tell us that this generation is longing to have a unified voice about something, about mm-hmm. something. And it just so happened the gun protest was that something. Well, what would happen if this generation started tapping into what they were really created for, what they were really created to do. What would happen if those students, that generation, they would took that unity that they've got. We couldn't get the church to become unified when prayer was being taken out of school by one woman. One woman eventually took prayer out of school, and we couldn't get the church together to rally in order to stop that. But this millennial generation has that unity, and I want to tap into that. I want to get a hold of that, and I believe a lot of that is how the enemy's also uh, pinpointing it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You're absolutely right. I agree with everything that you've said. I hope that you'll, when you're at the Awakening House of Prayer uh, a couple weeks from now, that you will uh, actually is it about about a week from now or so that you'll teach on this this revelation. We're doing a series called uh, "Will the Real You Please Stand Up?" and I think that you know this kind of teaching would be really really beneficial. But if people want to get, I'm going to ask you to pray in just a minute. But before we do, how can people get in touch with you if they want to if they want to get your book? Is it on your website? If they want to invite you to speak, how do they how do they connect? It is. Uh, my website is just Ryan. Johnson.us, RyanJohnson.us, and uh, you can go. There's a tab there called Resources, and it will have my book there, and you can get it in paperback uh, through Amazon for $9.99, or you can get it on a Kindle version for $6.99. And then if you're interested in having us come and be a part of your event, services, whatever it may be, uh, there's a tab called Connect. And when you connect, there's a form there to fill out. It'll send an email to us, and we will go from there. Awesome. Now, the book is called Illegitimacy, The Battle Over Your Identity. Uh, I would recommend everyone get a copy. I'm going to be sending out a link to this recording uh, so that uh, you, know, you can uh, send it and share it to, with your friends who need to hear this. Maybe they weren't on the call. Uh, maybe they couldn't fit it in their schedule, but maybe you're thinking about five people right now who really need to read this book or hear this message, uh, or both. 
please do share the audio with them, share the, the link to the book with them, uh, and, and really, uh, you know, it, don't do it with a finger point, like, hey, this is what's wrong with you, man, but just do it like, hey, I heard this really great uh, you know, podcast, and I, I really uh, want to encourage you to listen to it, and it really helped me, thought you might like it, uh, and, and go from there. So, again, illegitimacy, the battle over your identity, and, and Prophet Ryan, I, would you pray uh, for our listeners, and just whatever's on your heart? Absolutely. Father, I thank you, because you are the definition of good. It is your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your love for your creation in which you speak to us. You give us revelation. You give us understanding, knowledge, and wisdom in order to advance the kingdom of God for your glory. Father, I thank you for every single listener on this podcast. I thank you for those that are right now, they're saying, Lord, you're speaking to me. You're showing me something. You're sharing something I thank you because they're hearing you. And Father, I thank you for those that may not yet know your voice, but I'm prophesying right now because of this podcast, the ears will open up spiritually right now, right now, and they will hear the love of the Father. Lord, we honor you above everything in our lives. It's not about achieving greatness for the sake that we could say that we are great. It's not about being the best preacher or the best singer or the best intercessor. It's about making your name great. And I thank you for this opportunity to do that. I thank you for Jennifer LeClaire, her heart, her ministry, what she's doing uh, to advance the kingdom of God. I thank you for those that sow into her life to help her continue that call and to that purpose, Lord. I thank you for awakening the house of prayer. I thank you for the churches right now that are seeking your heart in everything that they do. And Father, I ask you right now, right now, every person that hears this podcast, whether it's live or recorded, I pray that you visit them tonight in their dreams and you just reaffirm unto them the purpose of their life, that they may be reminded that they are loved, they are destined, and most importantly, they're not just somebody, but they're a son, they're a daughter, and they have greatness within them. So, Father, we love you. We honor you, and we praise you, and we say it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. Again, ryanjohnson.us. Connect with him. He's the real deal. You know, I don't say that about everybody. Wouldn't have had him on the broadcast if he was not the real deal. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Prophet Ryan, for being on, and we will uh, we'll connect again soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can visit me online at jenniferleclair.org or sow into Operation Liberation, our missions arm, at jenniferleclair.org slash missions. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APM, Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.